Life Audio. And I want to dive in with some scripture uh, and read read it. It's out of Hebrews chapter 12, and then let's just have a conversation. It's- then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Weirdo. I thought we weren't going to talk this entire episode. I thought we weren't going to. He is a weirdo. (laughs) Welcome back to Life After Addiction. We're going to make fun of each other today. No, hey, we definitely want to touch base just real quick. Last week's episode, we challenged you to a seven-day fast. If you didn't watch that one, we challenge you again. We're going to talk about it uh, probably on next week's episode. Uh, But, yeah, hopefully you completed it. You're feeling good. You've emailed us. uh, And, yeah, but, yeah, let's dive in. I want to dive in with some scripture. Uh, and read read it. It's out of Hebrews chapter 12, and then let's just have a conversation. It's something that from the fast and from uh, even just last episode and talking about things, uh, I think it's appropriate. And then we'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk some more about it, just wherever the Spirit leads. We haven't really discussed what we're going to say uh, other than reading the Scripture uh, and just kind of letting the Lord lead. So let me dive in. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And again, the the chapter right before that is called the, the, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And so then when it says, therefore... He's talking about all these people with faith and things like that, and we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. Thoughts, Jorian thoughts, Chitty thoughts, what do you all think about that? What's stirring? Yeah, I think for me, um, my version reads a little bit different, but in, in talking about the sin, it says, the sin, it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Um, and I think for me, it's like we discussed last week. It's, it's learning how to silence the noise of the world and the things of the world. And in turn, when you pursue the things of God, his voice is that much more heightened. Your desire for the things of God are that much more heightened, but we have to be aware of what we are filling ourselves with because it impacts us tremendously. You know, I got hit with the weight of my sin. Like I said, uh, last week, a couple weeks ago at this point, but it's even in the small things, man, the mindless things that I do. That aren't sin. I that, mean, it clearly says everything that hinders and correct. the sin. 
And so when you fill yourself with these mindless things, it's like your soul is receiving no rest, but it desperately needs rest. Like it desperately needs rest. And when you're filling yourself with these, you know, um, sinful things, man, my desire and appetite for God is no longer there. So it's laying these things aside. It's pushing these things aside. It's ridding ourselves of things that aren't of benefit or value to our intimacy with the Lord. And I know I probably sound like a broken record from last week, but it's because like I'm experiencing the realness of this and the impact of doing it like currently. And there's so much to it, man. Like to be able to turn down the noise of the world is so important. And that's in all aspects of your life, whether it's media, whether it's social media, whether it's TV, whether it's sweets or food or this or that. It's like, man, if you could look at your life and see what you do most and try and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Turn things back a notch, so to speak, um, or, or see things through, do things in moderation. Man, God's voice and your awareness of God's presence is is it's heightened, Be like still. undeniably heightened. Um, but yeah, letting go of every weight and sin which clings so closely is where I start out whenever I hear that. Yeah, Jorian, what about you, man? Yeah, just um, it's in Hebrews eleven. It talks about how um, without faith it is impossible to please God. Mm. And the one thing that uh, characterized all the people named in the hall of fame of faith is their faith they rejected the world they left everything behind like Mm. how you're talking about they they saw it as vain in comparison to the glory of god and uh and that's the same attitude and heart that we're supposed to be taking there are examples um and paul he says to be imitators of me as i follow christ and so the key is for us to forsake this world Jesus or the, it's written that um, if you love the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in you. Mm. And so, in the things of this world is the things that um, of the world, sin, and of the devil, the things that are earthly, the things that are demonic, the things that are not have do, do not have their origin in in God or um, don't find their place in faith and pleasing God. So, it says Jesus said, "If any man come after me, he must lay down his life." take up his cross and follow me. And that means forsaking all. That doesn't mean going out of the world, but that means being a different person in the world, being a Christian in the world, um, which, which means we're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of God, you know, and there's a difference between us and this world. You know, we set our minds on things above, not on things below. We walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. We have our eyes set on the, the prize, you know, resurrection, eternal life in, in Christ, with Christ. Um, Solomon, he says that all is vanity. Yeah. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's true. When you when you really see how, how surpassing the glory of Christ is, you realize, like, man, yeah, outside of God, outside of Christ, everything truly is meaningless because nothing matters. Um at the end of the day, when we stand before judgment, when we stand before God on judgment day, like nothing is going to matter except what we did for Christ, that which we did out of faith, that which we did to please God. And so having that in my mind, um, that's one thing. And just being conscious of judgment day, like that's one thing to keep me away from this world and keep my heart steadfast on Christ because 
we all have to stand there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So coming in hot, coming in hot right here. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll, um, uh, we'll continue our talk, man. I love this. This is good. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. And we're back. We're back. Uh, yeah. So, awesome points. Good. Good conversation. Um, I think. I think even just the start, and we relate this in the recovery world so often. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders or weighs us down, and the sin that so easily entangles us. I mean, when we're talking about a cloud of witnesses and. I used to teach a class, and around this time, I would I would ask guys to stand up uh, if they've you know staff or at a catapult. Like, hey, if you've tasted freedom in Christ, if you're walking in freedom from addiction, um, stand up. And they would stand up, and then I would read this again. I said, therefore, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and it's almost like an encouragement. Like they're not more spiritual than you. They don't have a better gifting of God than you. They don't have a different portion of the Spirit of God than you. The same power that is alive and at work and, and, and the men and women that Hebrews 11 talks about is alive and at work in you, basically. Hebrews 12 is the same. So, man, since we have these witnesses, this great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off this stuff, man. Let's do this together. Let's, let's march through it. And so... <laughs> I kind of, in context, want to read what the author of Hebrews is saying, and I don't know the author of Hebrews. A lot of people believe it to be Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, but it's it's debated. Um, but at the end of Hebrews, and kind of leads up to the therefore in chapter 12, it says this. Uh, the author says, And what more shall I say, in verse 32, And what more shall I say? I do not have time, or it says, And time would fail me to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained through faith. Are in, I'm used to reading the ESV, and this is the NIV. And who through who faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, and quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women respe- received back their dead, raised to life again. That's so amazing. Mm. If that's like the, through faith, all of these amazing things happen to these amazing people of our faith. But the Bible is a full counsel of God's word. It doesn't leave us there. It goes Quentin Tarantino on us, and it switches gears. Women received back their dead and raised to life. Others were tortured and refused to, ex- to accept release. 
so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecute, mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes and in ground, holes in the ground. So it gives this two things, and then it goes into verse, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and there's almost this thought, and, and I think I've heard a sermon on this or just really thinking through this, man, I want the faith to be rewarded. I want the great faith to be rewarded with shutting the mouths of lions, right, and having these victories. and having, That's my first thought, and I remember. And then a sermon, kind of, and all of these great, you're chasing off these armies. Man, I want that story. But then when I started to think about it, man, and I really processed it, others were tortured and refused to accept release. I don't know, man. Mm. That kind of faith. It's kind of easy being the man when you're shutting the mouths of lions. But if I'm being tortured, and, man, this is, this is, <laughs> this is old school torture, right? This isn't like... Not that any torture is good, but this isn't like pouring water on someone's face. This is like contorting your body and breaking bones, cutting off things, stretching you. I mean, the off. And then they're like, all right, we'll release you. Just stop talking about God. Stop talking about Jesus. And they're like, nah, dog, I'm cool. I refuse to accept release. That was their faith. Give me that, man. Mm. Give me that portion of faith. I don't know. And then it goes into this, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I just want us as believers to know, man, these people weren't more godly, more or didn't have a more dose of God than we do. It's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I, may, I think the message of the author is, hey, you're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Lay aside sin. Lay aside, like Chitty was saying, these pointless, nonsensical things that might not be sin, but they're definitely a waste of time. They're definitely keeping your brain flowing on things that aren't of God, right? Which probably at some point does sin. But the Bible says, lay aside the weight that entangles us and sin, which means it's two different things. Like, what's your time doing? What are you allowing your uh, day to look like? Are, are, you, are you just wasting it watching the silly things, scrolling through people's profiles, sports? Conviction, right? Uh, I mean, does an 18-year-old kid dropping a pass or catching a pass affect your entire day? You know, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I, I love this I love this scripture, and I think it's important for us all to see. Um, man, there's brothers and sisters out there. What's your what's kind of your go-to verse that... Um, about, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Yes, hit it. Yeah. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he's provided the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. No temptation will come at you that's not common to man. So, hey, you have this cloud of witnesses, friend, my brother, my sister, if you're watching this and you feel like no one understands and you're alone and you just can't escape this sin, you feel entangled by this stuff, I promise you, you're not alone. I might not know your story. I might not have lived your story, but I've been there too, right? I've been there too. And, and here, I think, is God is using this if you're watching this and you just feel in the dumps. I think... It's literally a hand reaching down in the pit saying, hey, I've been there too. Grab my hand. Come out. Come out from this pit of despair. Stop decorating. You stop, stop wallowing in the pit thinking that you're alone because you're not. You're not alone. Uh, there's a cloud of witnesses that, that have been where you've been. 
and have seen the other side of the despair, have seen the other side of the pit, have seen the sun, the light shine in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So come out from that pit. Uh, stand up. Don't, don't, don't enjoy the slop. Be like the prodigal son that wakes up one day and she's like, hey, even the servants at my father's house are eating better than I do. I'm going to return. I'm going to repent. Do that. Know that there's hope. Know that there's joy. Know that there's, there's these things that can come from that. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. If, if someone's wondering, well, so how do I do this? What well, tells us right there, you know, you lay aside every weight and sin. So you repent, you confess, you turn from these things. Um, endurance by, by steadfastness. And then where were they looking the entire time? Well, you look towards Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. And every time I read this verse, I can't help but think about Peter. You know, everybody knows about when Peter was walking on water. Well, his eyes were fixed on Jesus. Yeah. The second he took his eyes off the Lord, what happened? He drowned. And that's what happens with sin that's, that clings so closely to our wayside is like when I'm fixated and I'm focused on the things of God and I'm focused on the Lord, man, that sin just, it, it seems like it just ceases to exist in those intimate moments. But when I take my eyes off the Lord, man, I desire sin more than I desire the things of God. Yeah. And so it's constantly reminding yourself to go back to the source. I say this all the time and I truly believe because, it, man, this is how God speaks to us. It's like if I prayed for an immeasurable amount of faith for the rest of my entire life and it was granted in an instant, am I going back to God in daily communion? No, I got what I needed. So that's how God teaches us as our father, man. If he gives you just enough faith to get you through this day, praise God. He's teaching and training you as his child to come back to the source the next morning. Yeah. If you pray for strength and he gives you just enough strength to get through the day, praise God for it. He's training and teaching you to go back to the source the next morning. Yeah. And I think we often like have this notion that when I pray for strength, I just want the supernatural strength the rest of my life. And I never really want to struggle. And we know that sounds ridiculous, but subconsciously, internally, that's how we kind of feel. And then it's like, well, man, I had strength yesterday, but today I don't. Well, praise God. Go back to the source and ask him, Lord, I need strength just to get through this day and this day alone. Yeah. You know, but it's when we take our eyes off the Lord that that sin comes and creeps back in. And then it seems overwhelming. But then those those powerful moments with God, it's like sin has no hold on me. Yeah. Sin has no hold and no authority in my life in Jesus name. Does that mean I'm going to be sinless? No, but it means that I'm mindful. The second I do start picking up sins, man, I repent, I confess, and I keep pursuing the things of God. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back though, I want to talk about practical application. Like you, you definitely just touched on it, but there's so much just low hanging fruit right here that I just want to gobble up. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. 
And we're back. We're back. So, yeah, so the practical application, obviously, if you're watching uh, on YouTube, you saw the epic paper, rock, scissors. If you're just listening, that's that's something that you're missing out. You're not seeing our paper, rock, scissors battle. But inside of this, I think there's this question of, well, okay, I get that I'm surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. I see that you guys have gone through it. You know, you've talked about the years you've been free and all this. You've had the guest on. You, I know that there's others out there. I know that I have my alumni thread or whatever if you came to yeah. the program. I know there's a cloud of witnesses. And um, the problem is, is, okay, how do I throw off these things that hinder? Mm. How do I uh, not sin that entangles me? I don't want to be entangled. How do I run this race with perseverance? And here's the practical. I'll just break it down from my perspective. Yeah. Running the race with endurance means this. If God, and we'll talk about maybe last week too. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. But Ryan and I, and, and we, we talked about just this almost a tangible feeling of the Lord that you felt in the room. Yeah. Running the race with endurance is having the faith, which is, again, on the heels of the Hall of Fame of Faith is what they call it. Having the faith and trust in God to continue those devotions you talked about, to continue wanting to read those books, to, because you know, you know you've tasted it, you know it draws and stirs your affection for the God, you know that it's fixing your eyes on Jesus, but continuing to do that when you do not feel the tangibleness of God. Amen. When you do not hear God, when you don't hear, where are you, God? I and mean, even David is almost seeming bipolar in the book of Psalms when he's like, in the same chapter almost, he's like, you're so far from me, O Lord. When or where are you, God? Where are you, God? And then like a page later, he's like, oh, the presence of God is so sweet, and, and I love the Lord. I mean, those moments that you're, you're being faithful to God, no matter the feeling, no matter if he so chooses to answer you, no matter if he so chooses to comfort you with his hand in the season, or he might be allowing you to grow. But the thing is, like you said, the low-hanging fruit it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, and we touched on it. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, how do I fix my eyes on Jesus, Adam? How do I do that? I want to do that. You're committed to the things that stir your affections for him. And I'm, I mean, I'm not talking in circles here, guys. I'm being honest. If you want to fix your eyes on Jesus, well, identify the things that stir your affections for him. Like if it's if it's just deep prayer, if it's worshiping him with with whatever it is if obviously it's got to be reading his word i mean you want to know someone you've got to be in communication with them and he's speaking to us like through his word he's speaking to us which is an amazing gift but do these things identify these things for me honestly it's a few things but i know that some things that stir my affection for god is early morning with a cup of coffee and and in his word early morning and and probably for a lot of people but it's quieter a lot of times it's cooler, um, and, you know, my house can get pretty hectic with kids and stuff. But early morning sometimes, it's like I know that that serves my affection. So I know that being in his word, I know that certain worship music. So if I'm not doing those things, I'm not even attempting to fix my eyes on God, yeah. the author and perfecter of my faith. Yeah, I, I'm, I was reminded, I know I quote Ron often, but, like, Ron said something. He does these little, you know, encouraging words before every staff yeah. meeting. Um, and I always get a word from him when he does those. And he said something along the liking of put God's word in you when you don't need it. 
so that when you do need it, he'll bring it out of you. Mm. And not to say there's ever a time where you shouldn't be doing that. It's just a phrase, right? But what he means by those seasons where, man, you're doing good and you kind of are lackadaisical and you're still feeling good for two weeks and you really haven't been in your word or praying. Be consistently in your word when you don't need it so that he brings it out when you do need it. And I think that's so um, spot on because it's like what you just said, Adam. It's like, man, it's consistently doing these things despite my feelings. Because that's where we get caught up. Despite how I feel, despite how good I am feeling or bad I am feeling or how strong my faith is or how weak my faith is, despite that, I consistently have a spiritual schedule that I keep to. That I'm consistently reading and learning about the things of God, whether it's through his word or spiritual theology books outside of it, Um, whether it's in prayer or community outside church and in prayer and community inside church always having these things that I'm consistently doing and I'm pressing into and not just being there present physically, but being there present spiritually, because there's a big difference. I can go through seasons where I'm going to church physically and I'm present physically, but I'm not really there mentally or spiritually, if that makes sense. And it's not just being there, but it's being there and seeking. And there's a big difference in that. So be mindful of whenever you're just going through the motions and using it to justify, well, I'm doing all these things, but are you? Yeah. And even if you are, man, faith is what? Yeah. Is the assurance of things hoped for the convictions of things not not seen. seen. So praise God. Praise God. Faith didn't the feeling because if it was, I'm hit. Yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. And and man, I think kind of, (laughs) I guess we're just breaking it down, but even as we would just keep, keep going, Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, who the author and perfecter of our faith. Why? 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 Why are we told to do that? It says this, and this is a reminder, and I think it's a kind of a callback. You you've heard us talking about it all the time, maybe not all the time, and it might be weird to you when we you heard Chitty talk about it last week. But man, just feeling the weight of your own sin and being crushed by God—that sounds like such a negative thing, and in the moment, it's not it's not pleasant, but shortly after it's so sweet and beautiful Mm. i always say it was the most beautiful day of my life it was the sweetest moment of my life and god crushed me and i think what that that's the reason that the author ends this way you who set your eyes fix your eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who what who for the joy who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross, right? The the, the cross was invented. The crucifixion uh, was invented by the Romans, and it was a form of torture. In fact, the word excruciating, it, we get that word was invented because of the cross, the crucifixion. Excruciating pain. And the Bible just said, for the joy set before him. So Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, knew that this was going to, this cross, the joy that was coming of of atoning for our sin and being able to have perfect unity with us like before sin came in Genesis 3 was his joy. And he said that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And it says this, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider this. Consider Jesus living perfect and what he endured from sinful men, and he did it for you. 
and I don't know, I'm not, I don't, it's hard to like invoke the crushing, right? But I do, I guess we've called you to a fast and we've called you to a fast last week. So I'll call you to this. I mean, if, if you've never tasted or experienced the weight of your own sin, that, that might be a topic for you, right? I think that's the point here. You fix your eyes on Jesus, but remember this. He went to the cross for joy. The joy set before him. He went to the cross for you. Hey, also remember this so that you don't lose heart, that he faced such opposition from sinful men. He entered into his own creation who spoke this creation into existence with his words and chose to enter into it, be submissive to it, feel the things. He was 100% a man while being 100% God, which means he felt things. He wept when he lost a friend. He wept when he saw the pain of a woman who lost her brother. He had righteous anger in the temple. He chose this for you. He chose to enter in. He chose this. So I, I just ask you to meditate if you haven't, man, you are aware that it wasn't the nails or the Romans or the Jews that put that held Christ, that Jesus on the cross. Amen. It was your sin. Mm. Jesus could have invoked 10,000 angels. He could have said, hey, metal that I made, tree that I made, be released. And it could have, I mean, whatever. It was your sin that held him on his cross that he endured. And process that. Mm. And when you process that, if you process that fully, and you begin to feel the weight of that, and you begin to feel the shame of that, know that the Bible just said that Jesus despised the shame, and that he willfully did it for the joy. What joy? The joy that if you surrender your life to him, that if you are his, if, if you are a bloodstained child of the kingdom, then all of that shame, all of that guilt, all of that true sin, no longer blame-shifting, you did it, all of that stuff is now atoned for, paid for. He took that on, and like we read earlier, I think last week, now the great exchange, he took your sin, your shame, your guilt, your filth, your dirt, and gave you his righteousness. And now you're seen as a saint, and you're welcome into the family, and the Bible says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. And you'll find rest for your souls. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, press on, man. Mm. Press on. Lay aside these things. We've talked about how you do that. We've talked about why you do that. We talk about who Jesus is and what you do inside of that. Press on. Man, it's, 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 it's time to stop playing games. If you really want as Jorian talked about, as Paul, the Apostle Paul said, do as I do. If you want the things that we have, <laughs> and I don't say that boastfully, I say that as a beggar on the street, I'm begging you. If you want this, this relationship with God, if you want this freedom, if you want this um, Savior, I don't know, if you want these things, then, man, take heed, repent. It's not everyone else's fault. Do the things that we're telling you to do, not because we've written a self-help book. It's because we've read the book, and we've done these things, man, and it's sweet. It tastes sweeter than anything I've ever done. Final thoughts. Mm. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's life after addiction. You better believe it. Come on. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Life After Addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Studio. For more Christ-centered addiction recovery resources, please visit s2l.net. That's S, the number two, L, dot net. For more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit S2LRecovery.org. That's S, the number two, LRecovery.org. We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.